Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. We are on the subject of the family. And I'm not talking about the platonic family, husband, wife, children. I'm talking about the church family. Amen. So we're going to get into some interesting topics. This is about church culture. Um, every, every church has a culture. Every workplace has, has a culture. Every home has a culture. And we're going to dive into that. I'm trying to see why my bottle is deformed over here. Stay. So, if you notice, there's a chair next to me. Some of you might be sitting in it soon. <laughs> no, don't worry. I'm not going to call you up here randomly. But I do want to just uh, pray for this talk today, and then we'll move forward. Amen? Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity it is to lead your people to steward your church, your bride. Lord, use this time this morning to help us connect even deeper with who you are and who the church is as a whole. I pray during this time that we grow, we learn, we are challenged, and we are changed. Let these words be yours and not mine. Use them greatly this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is going to be a very different series. We're, this is going to be more interactive than anything we've ever done before. This is going to be like unlike anything we've ever done before. So, Hagen, do me a favor. I need you to raise the lights, the house lights, a little bit. Go, Hagen. All right, raise them up a little, as much as they can go before they start flashing us because they'll start blinking like crazy. Just keep raising them until they go. There you go. Okay, bring it down a little bit. <laughs> There's something weird about the dimmer pack. I don't know. There you go. All right. Now, everybody do me a favor. Why don't you stand up? We're going to play a little musical chairs here, okay? Everybody's used to sitting in their spot, very comfortable, very normal. I want you to find someone you don't know, and I want you to go sit next to them. So a couple of y'all may feel uncomfortable about that. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to. But I'm going to encourage you right now, if you don't know someone, uh, go sit next to them. Welcome them. Tell them your name. Y'all say hi to each other every Sunday, but you don't know their name. So get to know their name. <laughs> go ahead, Ramon. That's the hot seat. <laughs> All right. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Now you can sit down. You can sit down. So we will take communion. I know you're probably looking at why is the communion now? It's going to be at the end, okay? Uh, this is a very different thing. So very different series. We're talking about the church family. I want to briefly just tell you, um, you know, the, the role of a pastor is very unique. It's very interesting. Um, I've met many, many pastors in my life. And everyone, every pastor is different. Every pastor is different in their approach. Every pastor is different in their style, in their preaching, in their abilities. Some pastors, you know, the only thing they know how to do is preach. Some pastors, the only thing they know how to do is lead. Some pastors could care less about preaching and they just love people. Like, there's just a very, very diverse nature about pastors. There's no two pastors alike, I tell you that. Very few I mean, I have some close pastor friends, and we are all polar opposites, like extremely polar opposites. Uh, I was just having lunch with uh, uh, Pastor Andrew Maldonado, uh, Pastor Emmanuel Magana, and while we were sitting there, a few other pastors walked in. I was in San Antonio for a funeral, and a few other pastors walked into the restaurant that I knew, and 
it, it's funny because Andrew and Manny, they're, they're kind of introverted. If you really get to know them, they're, they're actually very quiet when they're, you know, not on stage. They're very quiet people. Uh, they could, you know, be alone in a cabin the rest of their life and they'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I'm the opposite. I like, I need to slap somebody, you know, I'm just like that. Uh, and so they're very quiet. We're having a very quiet lunch. We're just talking. And then in come these other pastors. And these guys talk a mile a minute, you know. And, I mean, they come to the table. And it's like, hey, brother, what's going on? Oh, yeah, man, that church. And for, like, ten minutes straight, these dudes just talk, right? And we're like, yeah, cool. And I'm like, whatever. And then they leave. And then Manny and Andrew are like, oh. <laughs> They're like, dude, I forgot how much that guy talks, you know. <laughs> and it's just because everyone's different. We have different personalities, much like if you go to work, you know, some managers at work, they're going to be very low key, very whatever. Some guys are super high energy. You know, it's just there is no um, blueprint on what a pastor is. But what a pastor does is very unique scripturally. You know, our job is to basically teach you the word of God to make sure that you're eating solid food. Right. Paul talks about it in scripture that, hey, some of you should be teachers by now, uh, but yet you're still drinking milk. Let's come up to another level. Right. And so the unique role of a pastor is to help people grow spiritually to provide the word of God. But unfortunately, we can't make people do anything. They have to be willing participants. They have to desire to go that direction. Um, another interesting, unique thing about the church as a whole, a church is such an interesting organization because there's no product. We're not selling an item We're, you know, there's nothing you're coming, uh, to buy that you can take home physically. You're coming for a very different reason. You're coming because you either feel God or you feel the connection with people or both or you're searching, or you're desperate. Like, there's so many different reasons people come to church. Some people come to church, and they're thinking about committing suicide, you know? And you don't know why they're in the room. Others come to church, and, you know, they're worn out from the week, so they just need a refreshing. They need to hear the voice of God. They need to get a good message, whatever the case may be. Everyone has different reasons. And so it's such a unique environment. It's such a unique thing. And so I don't want to bore you with so much about what it is that we do, but basically our job is simple, even though it's very hard and complex, is to teach people the word of God, which how much do we know that people divide on the word of God all the time? I mean, that's why we have thousands of denominations, right? So even though our job is, quote-unquote, simple, it's actually very tricky because we have to know the word in a way like somebody knows computer technology when they're going in to fix some, a problem, you know? And when people come to us for advice, I can't give them opinions, I can't give them, you know, my latest thought on the latest political issue. I have to give them the prescription that comes from the word of God, right? And so it's very interesting because this doesn't always line up with what you want and what people desire and what they think they need. This is what it is. And it's clear what God's word says about a lot of things. And some things it's not so clear and so there's interpretation involved and to be skilled in doing that is a very interesting thing it's a very different role a very different uh, occupation if you will nevertheless the bible very clearly says that pastors are like shepherds we are not the shepherd okay <laughs> when the bible says my sheep know my voice that has nothing to do with me that has to do with the great shepherd right that's Jesus himself. My sheep know my voice. He's saying him, right? But we are like shepherds in a way that we're trying to gather sheep to stay together, to help one another, to encourage one another. I will share this one quick statistic with you. 80% of churches in America are under 200 people. 
it is actually the most normal thing for a church not to get too large. It is just how it's been for ever. Uh, only about 5% of all the churches in the United States reach over 1,000 people. That's a very, very small number of people or number of churches, uh, only 5%. Now, there are thousands of churches in America, but 80% of us are like this. 80% of us are under 200. Um, and whether that's good or bad, that's not really the point, but it's just interesting because some people have different expectations about church, right? And the church itself is not really intended to be a certain number, but it's intended to be healthy, right? And so that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to talk about church culture and what a healthy church culture looks like. So I want to first start with the stage of our church. We are five years old. We just celebrated five years, which means, which means we are kindergartners. We are still learning. We are still just getting our feet under us, you know, just starting to understand things, right? Um, yes, there are many churches that you see on, online on social media that start and, like, they blow up in a month. That's all good. That's great. That's not us, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm more thinking long game, future you know, it's funny. They say America plans for five and ten years and China plans for like a hundred years. Uh, it's just how they think, right? And so I'm trying not to think so American sometimes. American likes go big, go fast. Uh, I'm starting to think longevity. How does this thing continue without us? How does this thing stay in the hands of our children, right? That's what I'm starting to think of even though we're only five years old. But because we're five years old, there's still a lot we haven't learned. There's still a lot we're just starting to get our hands in because we're still young as a church. Uh, I used to say up until a couple years ago that we were a brand new church because truly we were. Even a couple years in, we were very young. But now it's like, okay, we need to start, <laughs> we need to start taking some cues. We need to start making some changes. And so I want to give you this big idea. Uh, the big idea for this whole series is family happens everywhere. Now, if Toby is watching, he is responsible for this term. This was, how many of you went to the city groups uh, where we did the exercise about culture, right? Uh, plenty of y'all did. Um, if you went to that city group, then you'll know that we had a good conversation. Well, Toby was in one of those groups, and he just... <laughs> And he just happened to randomly say, yeah, family happens everywhere. It just kind of came out. And I said, dude, that's, that's it. That's it. Family happens everywhere. It doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. Church family should be going on everywhere, right? Which, when you think about it, the lifestyle of a Christian should happen everywhere, it should not just happen on Sunday morning. If your Christian lifestyle only exists between the hours of 10 to 12 on Sunday, you're not a Christian. You're a pseudo-Christian. Family happens everywhere because Christianity happens everywhere. And Christianity looks like a church that's in community everywhere. Right? And so we're going to dig into this idea. You're going to hear me say this a lot. Family happens everywhere. So do me a favor. Everybody to say it with me. One, two, three. Family happens everywhere. Boom. It's important. Right? This is why a couple of weeks ago I started saying, hey, take someone to lunch. Hey, you know, go spend time with someone. Go grab coffee with someone. Because y'all should be gathering and communing other places. Y'all shouldn't have to wait for the city group or wait for the extra prayer night, or wait for the extra service. Get together, hang out, build relationship, be a family outside these walls. Does that make sense? So this series is about the culture of the church. Every church has a culture. Every workplace has a culture. How many of you have ever worked for an environment that was awesome, like you loved the, the work environment? Yeah? A few of us, I've worked in a place one time, and I was like, Wow. I wish I would have found this place earlier, you know. Uh, how many of you worked in a culture that was not so great 
and it really like was a detriment to your life, right? There's something about the environment of where you go, of something you're a part of, that really affects everything. It affects how you act. It affects how you live. It affects how you respond. And so when you work in a place that you enjoy, you almost want to do more. You almost want to help more. You want to persevere. You want to you know, accomplish more. When you work at a place that you don't enjoy, that things are just negative all the time, it's like, that's not my job. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or you have like a, a really odd boss or whatever and, you know, they're just not, they're not helpful in any way and uh, they're, they're just speaking negativity all the time. It's just, it's a dread to go work for someone like that. And so every place has a culture. Every church has a culture. I've been in some interesting church cultures before and regardless of the culture, I've always tried to learn you know, I was talking with Alex about a certain place he used to work, and he's like, yeah, I learned everything not to do. <laughs> and truthfully, in a lot of churches, I learned in a lot of things not to do. I learned, hey, yeah, that might be how they're doing it, but it's not, you know, the results aren't really great. The results are hurting people, right? And so it's interesting that that is such a unique thing. So the question is, is culture good or is culture bad? Or is it really, is culture healthy or is culture unhealthy? See, I don't really believe that there's such a thing as good or bad culture. It's either healthy or unhealthy, right? A, a church culture should bring life to someone. It should bring energy to someone. It should lift someone up. And if it's not doing that, then it might be a little unhealthy, Right. If, if there is a church culture that is created, that people are experiencing something that is transforming them, that's a healthy church culture. So what is culture? Let's dive, uh, dive into that. Culture is characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people. So our culture is unique to us. If we go down the street to Breakthrough Church, we love them. We love them dearly, but they do things extremely different from us. They have their own culture. Anybody ever visited Breakthrough Church? Great church. How many of you know that was very different? Extremely different. Okay, if you think the music loudest here, uh-uh. <laughs> if you think you can't handle the loud music here, yeah, watch out. You might need some earplugs. Pastor Andrew likes that stuff loud, man. It's loud. Uh, it's just a very different environment, very different culture. If you go to Experience Church in San Antonio, Pastor Manny Magana, you will experience something very, very different. Every church has a culture. There, it's unique characteristics about a group of people. So we have a church culture. That's why we did that exercise. That's why we talked about this, because we have a unique culture. Now hear this. Culture is the most crucial component of the church. Think about it like this. If a good steak is the vision, right? We know what our vision is. Then the plate on which it's served is the culture. If the plate is dirty, then the steak or the vision is devalued. So we can have a great vision. We can have a great mission. But if we're serving it on an unhealthy culture, it's going to devalue everything. Does that make sense? So we really need to put a lot of emphasis on our culture. So let me share with you quickly, what is our vision or our mission? Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus, right? Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. Uh, we have helped other churches get going. We've had, we have helped other churches get started. But we also believe we're going to plant other churches, that will create a life-changing environment. So none of that, though, means anything unless our culture is healthy. We have to have a healthy church culture. Clarity of our culture is a priority, and it's built on God's presence and teamwork. How do we build a healthy church culture? We do it by focusing 
on God's presence and working together. Now that sounds very simple, but that is actually what makes it hard. God's presence sometimes, that's, that, that can be easy for some. We just go after God, you know. We seek God, we pray, we, we do more of that. Working together, that gets tricky because everyone has ideas, everyone has opinions, everyone has their way of doing things. But teamwork is the willingness to lay down preferences for the sake of the group, right? And so there are many things that can grow and get better if a team works together. But we have to build everything on God's presence and teamwork. Does that make sense? So, we did that exercise because we need to reassess our core values. How many of you know our core values as a church? One person probably knows them by heart. A couple of you started remembering because we brought it up. But truthfully, nobody except for maybe Star, because she teaches them during the Pursuit Next class, nobody knows our core values because we don't talk about them. And what I shared in the city group is the reality is our core values don't really, don't really matter because I created them in a dark room by myself five and a half years ago before there was a church, you know, six years ago before there was a church. So they were just things I was hoping that we would create. But the truth is, we need to do it together. That's why we did that, that exercise, because our core values matter so much. But the ones we have right now obviously don't matter much because we don't know them, we don't practice them, we don't live by them, we don't teach by them, we don't lead by them. And so what we're going to do as a body of, of believers is we're going to put together our core values together. We're going to intentionally create something we all can latch onto and say, this is who we are. This is what we're about. And I'm going to share with you the top 20 from each category, from the best and from the worst, of the results from the exercise that we did. I think some of it will surprise you what the top 20 is. So the core values are those values we hold which form the foundation on which we perform work and conduct ourselves. Basically, our core values is um, the rules of engagement, how we do things, why we do things. There's a way that we do things that is different from other places. And our core values help steer that. And so we're going to dive into that as we go through this series. The core values of our church will become the guiding force for everything we do. But this is how we build them. Are you ready? High five your neighbor that's snoring and say, this is how we build them. This is how we build them. We build them together. We're going to build the core values together. This is not going to be, you know, me and two other people going out. This is who we are. No, no, no. We are going to build them together. We're going to build them by the word of God. There's going to be scripture infused in everything. I love the word of God. I do. I love it. It is... Literally, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Amen. It literally guides my life. I love the word of God. So the word of God is going to be infused into every core value. We're going to do it by the presence of God. We're going to seek God. Really, really, really seek God. Seek after his presence and have him speak to us about our core values. And we're going to do it with passion. Building these core values can take us a year. But it will be worth it. Because it will be who we are. And what we're about. It can take us a long time to put these together. We're going to go one by one. I don't know how many core values we're going to have. Some places, you know, they have three. <laughs> go to another church, they got 11. <laughs> Try memorizing that. Uh, it really doesn't matter. It's up to us. It's what God speaks to us about us, right? Because we are unique. We are different. We are not like every other church. There is no two churches alike. We are who we are. And so we're going to do it. 
and we're going to do it together, and we're going to take our time. Now, before I move forward, if you notice, obviously, the chair that I spoke of earlier, I want to invite someone here uh, to come share a testimony about how um, God has impacted your life through the church. If, if somebody wants to come share, the chair is open. Okay, you can come up and interrupt me at any time and just uh, I'll hand you the mic and you can share. So those of you who are bold enough to do it, just, just know that you can come and join me at any moment. You don't have to get called on. Love it. Hey guys. Introduce yourself. I'm Ramon. I play the guitar, the bass, the drums from time to time. So, testimony? Yeah. It's a good and bad. I won't name names, but I used to serve at another church before here. And it was a sense of a mega church. And so it was cool. I got saved. I got saved when I was 21, you know, from a party lifestyle. And um, serving at the church really showed me how to be humble. And how, you know, in a sense, uh, how am I going to say this for this correctly? I'll just kind of cut into a short story. Um, I got to see the business side of a church and the downfall of the humanity. Not necessarily God, but I was hurt very bad by a church, betrayed, in a sense. So that turned me away, and I was really mad at, I guess, myself for letting it happen. And I was mad at God, wondering why it happened. And um, so there was fault on both sides. And so I was real mad. And I stopped going to church, stopped praising, stopped playing worship. And a couple of months go by, I have my son, uh, my firstborn, secondborn. Oops, sorry. And then randomly, I'm on Facebook one day, and I get a friend request from Matt Gomez. And I was like, and I told my wife, a pastor added me on Facebook. I don't know if this if this is a sign or if this is you know you know but a pastor added me so I was very skeptical but I added him and I would see him all the lives that you are doing you know um, working on the old church the old building and then and I was like okay that's cool and then I would start seeing the Facebook lives of the service and stuff like that and I was very 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 skeptical about even coming back to church because I was just so mad and hurt and. Um, all right, one day I saw the worship and uh, worship team, and it was just Matt, Brooke, and David. No, uh, there was no drummer, there was no nothing, and so I offered my, you know, hey, y'all need a drummer, and he told me to come check out the church and come to this church. The very first thing I remember, and I was caught off guard, was Star. Never met her in my life, never met her, and we walk up to her, and she's like, "Can I get a hug? I'm a hugger. Good morning," and she gives a big old hug. Oh, I gave my wife a big hug, and then, um, so it was really a sense of relief because I came from an area where everyone had professional, you gotta, you know, look good, be good, or, and so I was very skeptical, but coming here after a couple months, I really learned, you know, how to be humble myself, and going from each church service having hundreds of people from some church service only being us, and it really taught me that, and being here, the church is five years old. I've been here four and a half years. So, um, I don't know. I, the sense of a testimony is, even though the church hurt hurt you, if the church has ever hurt you, the church is uh, how do I? I don't know where this. Humanity hurts you, not the church, not God. And I just want to sit here and just say thank you to Pastor Matt for really showing me, you know, kind of get out to let my guard down and be open and. You know, let my heart receive word and worship again. And, you know, I go through, we all go through our ups and downs, but being here is really, like I said, my keyword has humbled myself. And, and it, uh, you know, I stand up here praising to God, even if there's one or there's 100 people here. So, um, yeah, you know, if you be, you know, you may get hurt sometimes in life, but, you know, God stays there. So, Amen. thank you, Matt. Great job, bro. Appreciate you. <laughs> She's a hugger. See, I love that. I love that. I had no idea. I don't remember that part. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I remember when Ramon and Ashley came, and man, it seems like just yesterday, but it 
four and a half years ago. That was around the time Gilbert showed up uh, hunting down Jasmine over there. <laughs> uh, the whole, the whole, th- <laughs> everything kind of changed in that, that scene, you know, that, that, that time period. It was awesome. Uh, but yeah, thank you for sharing, man. If anybody else wants to come up, you're more than welcome to interrupt me at any moment. I'm going to start sharing now uh, the results of the culture exercise. Are you all ready for this? Dun, dun, dun. So let's start with the good stuff. Let's start with the best, right? So for those of you who weren't there, you're probably going, what is he talking about? So at our city groups, we got together and we did an exercise. It was a 15-minute timed thing. And I asked the question, and the rules were very simple. It had to be completely honest. You had to be brutally honest. And it had to be something you actually experienced at the church. Okay? And so we did the good and the bad. So the first one we asked is, who are, what, what did I say? Um, we are at our best when we are, and then blank, right? And they had to list off as many things as they could in 15 minutes. We are at our best when we are blank, right? And so everybody put down some interesting words and phrases, and I couldn't read some of the handwriting. It was just interesting, right? And then we did the opposite. We are at our worst when we are blank, right? And that was even more interesting. I had some people straight up crying, like, at the tables, you know. um, There was a lot that, you know, sometimes it's hurtful, right? But the reality was, is this is who we are. Yeah, I see the Southside City group going Southside. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the reality is this is who we are, and we have to own it, okay? We have to own it. We can't go, oh, no, we don't want to see, we don't want to talk about the bad stuff. No, no, no. We can't fix. We, we said this in every city group. You cannot complain about what you tolerate. Let that sink in. You cannot complain about what you tolerate. Take that to work with you. Take that home with you. You got some unruly children. You cannot complain about what you tolerate. You got a relationship issue you're dealing with. You cannot complain about what you tolerate. Here's another thing. You can't change what you don't confront. So if we want to change something, we've got to confront it head on. Here's what happens. Oh, well, you know what? I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, let's, let's start with the best, okay? Y'all ready for the good stuff? <laughs> and just remember, if you want to interrupt me, anytime. The best stuff. So we are at our best when we are what? So I'm going to give you the top 20 because literally with everyone's sheets, there was like hundreds to read through. Okay, top 20. This is pretty much was in every single group multiple times. Supportive. We support each other when we're there for each other. When we help each other, family, which is a big word I was hoping for. I didn't want to coach this thing. I wanted to kind of naturally come out. Family was one of the big words that I saw on a lot of papers. Family. Everybody believes, you know, we're like a, like a family here. We're inclusive. When we're doing what we're supposed to, we include others into those things. We're, you know, hey, come with me. Hey, let's get involved. We're including people. Another one is giving. Uh, there have been times in our church where, you know, whenever things got tight financially, whatever, and then all of a sudden, you know, God made a way and people were giving uh, extraordinarily. And it was awesome because it was really necessary at some times or just giving in general, being generous with our street store, giving to, to others, giving people that are in need. Selfless. That's a big one. Being selfless. Um, there are a lot of people here who are selfless. They really are. Uh, it's, it's a great thing to see. Um, people that just constantly pour out of themselves. Number six was loving. And obviously we want to see that because uh, our, our mission statement is what? To lead people to know the love of Jesus. So we hope that people are experiencing love, right? I believe it's what Ramon experienced. He experienced that quick, hey, give me a hug. You know, they experienced love from Star in that form really fast, right? And that goes with everyone. When, when someone walks through the doors that you're not familiar with, go love on them. You don't have to have a reason. Just go love on them, right? Um, 
Another one was community. When we are in community, when we are doing life together, it really brings out the best of us. When we are transparent, yeah, that's a big deal. We have to learn to be more transparent. But when we're transparent with each other, what we're really going through, you know, instead of the old uh, cliche, how you doing? Going good. How are you? Okay, doing good. And then you just move on. All right? No, no, no. Be transparent. You know, it's so interesting. Uh, I forget how it came up. I was talking with someone, and they said, God is good. <laughs> and they were waiting for me to say, all the time. Anybody remember that from old school church where you go in there and say, God is good. And the whole church says all the time and all the time. And then somebody says, God is good. You know what I'm saying? Anybody? Okay. No, just me. Okay. I'm just that old church kid. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so somebody did that with me the other day. I was like, dude, I haven't heard that in forever, bro. I don't know what church you going to. <laughs> I was like, man, that's old school. Um, but it's just interesting because I realized that those things can kind of keep things surfaced. And not be real and not be transparent. Yeah, we know God is good all the time, but sometimes we're not. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes we need to be real about things. Uh, Number nine was accountable. I love that word. That showed up everywhere. Accountable. When we are accountable to each other. uh, You know, if somebody does something that's, that's wrong, inappropriate, whatever, you should not be afraid to say, hey, that's not who we are. That's not how we do things. Keeping each other accountable is a very important thing. Uh, Number 10, we're praying for each other. That's a big one. And not just go, oh, yeah, I'm praying for you. No, 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 no. When you stop and when you pray and when you're there. You know, I try my best when someone calls me and, and, you know, they're going through something. And I, I try my best not to just say I'm praying for you. I try my best to remember right then and there to pray for them while I'm on the phone because it it makes a difference to stop in that moment and pray for them while you have them. So I want to encourage you to do that more. Amen. Uh, Number 11, serving. Yes, this is a big deal. It's what we're about. It's who we are. We have very much a serving culture. Uh, We are at our best when we are all serving. Uh, Number 12, when we're reaching out to the community. That's a big one, right? Uh, so we do have events like the You Matter Feast, the street stores, those things like that. But when we do more of that stuff, uh, it really does make a difference and it brings out the best. I love this one, number 13, having fun. When we have fun. How many of you have fun here on Sunday mornings when you're serving, when you're involved in stuff, when we're hanging out? I love having fun. We love to laugh. Uh, yes, I take things seriously, but I try to take them too serious. Uh, it's difficult to balance that sometimes, but I love having fun. Uh, number 14, communicating. This is a pet peeve of mine, but communication is such a big deal. It's, it's important. Um, I am not the best at it because everything's in my head, you know, and so I try to be as intentional as I can to communicate and communicate and communicate. But the more that we communicate with each other, the more that we tell each other what's on our mind, the more that we inform other people of things, it really does Bring out the best. Number 15, it's got to be awesome when we're worshiping. This is true. We're a worshiping church, amen? How many of you love to come in here and just worship God? Yes. How many of you love to go home or on your car and you just love to worship God? It's the best thing in the world, right? We love God's presence. We're a worshiping church. It makes us better. It brings out the best in us. Another, and this one wasn't my favorite, but it was on everywhere, prayer and fasting. (laughs) Uh, when we are praying and fasting, I, and I do see that because when we went through that season of prayer and fasting back in, I think it was March, a lot changed, right? A lot changed, a lot kind of got more real for us. There was so much going on in our world, and we, we, we got together, we prayed, and we fasted, and it really did make a difference. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It really is. So it does bring out the best of us, our uh, best in us. Um, maybe we should plan another you know, fasting thing. Somebody wants to do that. That's great. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, number 17 was encouraging. When you encourage one another, you know, I know we joke around and stuff, but we really don't want to be putting others down. You don't want to be degrading anyone. You don't want to be, you know, squashing. You want to encourage. You want to lift up. You want to build up, right? You want to encourage and lift that person up 
regardless of what they're going through. Number 18 is great, authentic. You know, this is what Ramon was talking about. I think the word he's searching for was authentic. He wanted something that was authentic, was real, was tangible, something that, you know, it was uh, more than just this is my part and that's all I got to do. No, this is part of my family. It's part of my life. It's part of, you know, my future. Um, This is an important thing. You know, we're raising our kids here, right? We're raising families here. We've got pregnant ladies everywhere. We've got, you know, uh, a couple that are working from home today, watching from the hospital, whatever the case and, and it's so important because whether we realize it or not, we pick up a lot of our cues growing up from the church. You know, I know I did growing up. We pick up a lot of cues from the church. And so we're going to actually dive into the family dynamic, uh, husband, wife, children, uh, in one of these sessions. It's going to be awesome. But authenticity is such an important thing to me. I hate fakeness. I hate when, you know, there's just like, just in disingenuous way about things or about someone. So authentic is a big thing. Number 19, respectful. I think that is a big thing too. Uh, being respectful of one another, being respectful of, of their time, being respectful of you know, their, just your words and how you treat someone, that's a big thing. And then last but not least, when we're forgiving. It brings out the best in us. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've, I've made plenty of mistakes here. And the most important thing with that is just learning to forgive and receive that forgiveness, right? Uh, if you've ever been offended or hurt by anyone here or elsewhere, forgiveness is such, is, it's your best friend. It really is. It's your best friend because it really releases you from those hurts and those pains. Um, but forgiveness is a big deal. All that good? Everybody like that? Those are good things, right? Anybody want to interrupt me yet? No? Good? Good so far? How about our worst? Oh, here we go. Before we get there, because he's probably going to drop something on me right now. (laughs) I think his his one was number first right there. Uh, I've had my shares of being in a different church Um, and I think more than anything I've learned specific things in those different cultures along the way and um, you know as you're previously mentioning about confronting and uh, the challenges that we face I think what I've learned here the most not only in the workplace in my marriage uh, in my personal life, but the habit to learn how to confront those things and um, to challenge because a lot of other cultures and other places are afraid to say we only want to focus on what we do good, not what we're not so good at. And I think um, being here has definitely shaped and molded me uh, to, man, I talk so low. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Um, You know, (laughs) and um, but you know, like you said, as being a pastor, that you have to be willing to go there, and because you are responsible, and um, you know, like along with Ramon, I think we're all super grateful because in being here and seeing how. You know, we ha- yes, we have a, you know, a good-sized church, and we have nice things. Um, but more so than anything, we, we do our best to be personal and to be real and to be transparent. And I think that goes a very long way because we can do things and be similar, but we have our own identity, and uh, we do things a specific way. And so, like Ramon um, you know, I'm, me and my wife, I know, are grateful, you know, to be here and, and to learn from you. And um, I've always told you that uh, I've never known a leader like you and somebody who's uh, so humble and willing to, to share and uh, to say the right thing. And so being here has this specific place and under you and along with the rest of the congregation uh, has really changed my life. And um, uh, I'm just thankful. So. Thanks. Love you.
Okay, here we go. <laughs> so it's interesting. I married Ramona and Ashley, and I married Gilbert and Jasmine. So. Yeah, if you didn't know that, I was like, man, Pastor Matt, I wanted you to marry us first. But it's okay. It's because Star told Gilbert no three times. So it kind of put us back in the race. It's all right, Mom. We made it. We're here. As you can see, I'm the clown in the marriage, and I do talk loud and bold. It goes with my personality. I'm an extrovert, so here I am. Um, Pastor Matt and I have known each other for, for a very, very long time. Um, he always shares that anytime I get the opportunity to preach. He'll kind of go back to me being this high, my hair being this big, and, you know, we've gone way back. <clears throat> he was, um, I don't know, it's just a journey and a history in its own right. Uh, but when they were making and, and moved from San Antonio to, to Corpus and started their church, I was back and forth in college and pursuing my career. And, and so I was involved, but I didn't have roots in the church yet, you know. So in the summer, I was very active. And then throughout the year, I would, I would leave and just come back for holidays and stuff. Um, very similar to Ramon, I was a part of another church and very different culture, very different way of leadership and how to do things in the church. And so when I was in the place of not really having roots here, I was very comfortable not having the responsibility of um, accountability and no roles of leadership. Um, it was actually pretty nice, especially um, being in college and kind of on my own and not feeling the weight of leadership because there is a weight that comes with it. You know, there's a responsibility of being a leader and being in, in the church and serving. Um, so when I finally graduated and I came back, um, the biggest thing that Pastor Matt and Cheryl and the church is the challenge. Like, the challenge to do more, to be more, to be Christ-like, to be scripture-founded. Like, it's just a, the challenge. And so, one big thing for me was um, I always felt like I had a calling to lead the youth. Um, I had a very troubled uh, upbringing and so the youth has always been a big part of my heart, a big part of my calling. And I remember talking to them about it, talking to my husband about it. And uh, I was just like, I'm not called for this. Like, this is not, I don't think this is um, what God wants for me to do. And if you know Pastor Matt or ever sat with Pastor Matt, he's, he's the king of questions. <laughs> and the way he forms those questions always makes you reflect internally. And sometimes it's like, why don't you just give me the answer instead of asking me 20 questions, you know? So he began to ask me these questions as to, like, why I felt the way I felt. And it really just came down to the fact that I didn't want the challenge. And this was very odd for me because if you know me, I love challenges. Like, you put something in front of me and say, I can or can't do it, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I'm going to do it better. And so this was an area where I was like, all right, God, you... I ain't doing this one. I don't think I'm called to be a youth pastor. And, and so in that, I am the youth pastor here at Pursuit City Church. I accepted the challenge, but I don't think that would have ever happened if um, I wasn't taught to be able to do that, to rise above, to face that challenge and accept it. And I think that goes with my natural response sometimes of how I want to treat people because how they treated me or how I feel. Um, I'm very prideful in that area, and I think Matt and Cheryl do a really good job of challenging, challenging me not to always respond with the flesh of I have a right to feel this way or do something, you know, but being more Christ-like. And so that would be hard to do if I didn't have great leaders showing me how to be Christ-like and how to challenge our fleshly responses and desires. So thanks for the challenge. I'm glad y'all all shared the good stuff because here comes the bad stuff. So this is what made it to the worst list. You ready? Judgmental. Sometimes as a church, we can be a little judgmental. Gossiping made it into almost every group. Gossiping. Interesting about gossip, I mean, we see it everywhere, don't we? Uh, we, we see it everywhere, at work, in families, 
Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Did you see what they did, right? Interesting thing about gossip people don't remember is it's actually listed in the Bible as a sin. It is right in there with the scriptures of envy, greed, and homosexuality. It is a heavy sin to gossip about people, right? The scripture deals with it very, very harshly, and we're going to get into that. Uh, Another thing that made it on the worst list was fake. Sometimes we can be fake, which is the opposite of who we want to be, right? Uh, Complacent. I think that kind of happens in every culture. Sometimes complacency can set in really quickly. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that the enemy of, uh, of future success is current success. Because when things are going well, people start to go, oh, everything's good and fine. I'm just going to sit and chill and you get complacent. And so the enemy of growing more future success is actually your current success. I'm going to leave you with that one. Uh, Being divided. This can happen everywhere too. It's so easy to divide over things. It happens all over the nation all the time, and I honestly think now that social media was created to divide us. Uh, Because now we all feel that it is our right to be divided. And it's not healthy. Prideful. Uh, uh, Jasmine just mentioned that being prideful is something that is uh, very detrimental to our church culture. A big one is not tithing. That's a big one. And we're going to talk about that during this series because tithing is a command in Scripture. Uh, And if you know anything about tithing, it's very simple but very hard, right? Some people have a hard time getting to that point. Tithing is very simple. It's 10% of your income. You make 1,000, you tithe 100. You make 100,000, you tithe 10,000, right? Uh, That's just how the math works. But the consistency of it, the regularity of it, the discipline of it is hard for a lot of people. We're going to talk about that. Uh, clickish. Uh, people feel like sometimes the church can be a little clickish. We only talk. That's why I had you get up and move. Because you sit by the same people all the time. You talk to the same people all the time. Get to know each other's name. We're not so big that you can't know each other's name, right? Don't be clickish. Isolated. Sometimes people isolate themselves. For whatever reason, it could be a plethora of reasons. We need to break that isolation. Go reach out. Reach out. Check in on people, right? Use that city group app to check in. Hey, how's everybody doing? Don't let it just be me doing it. You do it, right? Check in on people. Don't be isolated. Uh, timid. Some people are scared or timid to move forward, take a next step, uh, get involved, whatever it may be. But timidity is there. Critical. Just being criticism about things or about people it's not healthy to criticize if you have a suggestion make a suggestion but if you're just being critical just to make a statement that doesn't help anyone does it how many of you like to just be criticized and then someone just walked away with no like solution nobody right if you're going to say something great i love suggestions but make a suggestion give me an idea a solution something right so don't be critical how about lazy oh i hate laziness Laziness is another one listed in the Bible as a sin. Did you know that? Don't be lazy. Or silent. Who would would have thought that? That made it on a a lot of lists, just being silent, not being vocal, not sharing your faith, not sharing what God is doing, not, not talking to someone else that you don't know. Like Silence sometimes can be rude in a sense. Controlling. I think Gilbert threw that on there because he knows I'm a little controlling. (laughs) Controlling, but it is true. I have some controlling tendencies. I'm working on that. I promise. Um, But that that can be detrimental to a healthy culture. I'm doing my best to relinquish control. I loved it when Hagen stepped up and became the production director. Yeah. (laughs) Things go well now. You know, I had my hands in it so long, and then I gave it over to David Franco, and then David and Brooke thought it was a good idea to move to Minnesota, whatever. Um, so he left, 
and I had to take over the production again. And Hagen was there kind of going, you know, I can help, you know. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But, you know, I had this controlling thing, right? You know, I like to, a long time ago, it was like that with Gilbert. I would be in like every practice going, why are you playing that chord? (laughs) You know, Uh, but then I learned to just go, here you go. It's yours, you know. And I've I've had to learn that. It's just hard for me. I'll I'll move on. Uh, Distracted. Just being distracted as a church. We got to stay on mission. Got to stay focused, right? Or how about this one, entitled. This made it on a lot of lists. I was kind of surprised. This one made it everywhere. Just feeling entitled, like you're entitled to this, entitled to that, entitled to your feelings, entitled to speak your mind, like all these things. This, this idea of entitlement, I think, comes from our current culture right now. There's this entitlement mentality in our culture. Oh, we've got to eradicate that mess quickly. Uh, how about being inappropriate, making inappropriate remarks or inappropriate language like that's something we've addressed privately with certain people but it, it does bring a sense of pain to certain people and it can bring detriment to church culture so uh, I, I remember sitting at a table with one C group and I mean they were just kind of like yeah I've done that you know I've done that I'm sorry I've done that and you know it's it's you know the guys get together we start cutting up you start saying something next thing you know somebody makes a joke that's not so good right and that's not healthy. We have to mature. Can I get an amen from the guys? Okay, that was really poor. We'll, we'll work on that. How about disrespectful? Uh, that made it on the list. I'm not sure exactly who it was directed to or about, but we have to work on that apparently because it definitely was uh, an important thing that was mentioned quite a few times. Just being respectful of each other because some people have felt disrespected uh, or dishonest. Somebody's not telling the truth. Uh, that is something I really hate. And uh, if I hate it, Cheryl hates it three times more. Uh, lying, dishonesty, it's, it's a big thing. So we've got to address that. And then finally, rude. Just being plain rude. People have experienced it here. It's not good. And we need to work on it. There it is, guys. The good and the bad. It's who we are. But the good news is we can change who we are. So I'm going to close it out with this. Worship team, you're good. Take a break. Okay? Y'all look good. Take a break. How do we build a healthy church culture? How do we do this? What is the process? What is the formula? And you can take this home. You can take this with your family. You can take this to work. Ephesians 5.10. If you don't remember anything today, remember Ephesians 5.10. Everybody say Ephesians 5.10. Do it again. One, two, three. Ephesians 5.10. Remember this scripture. It says, find out what pleases the Lord. Y'all got it? Throw it up there. Find out what pleases the Lord the Lord. If you want to learn how to do or change anything about your life, your family, your culture, uh, at work, at home, here, we have to find out what pleases the Lord. Not what pleases you. This is where we get messed up. We like to do things based on our preferences, right? But when we've got to fix issues, when we've got to fix uh, situations, we have to find out what pleases the Lord. The next one is we have to go after the tangible presence of God intentionally every day. We do this by doing two things. We find out what pleases God and we go after his presence every day. When you do those two things and you let God speak to you about what he wants to do, things can change. So the big question is this. Why does all this matter? Why are we doing this? Why are we taking the time to do this series this way and not doing a normal message? Let me tell you why. Because there is an entire generation out there right now that doesn't know the Lord. There is an entire generation 
falling away from the church in America, not the rest of the world. The rest of the world, the stats are very, very different. You know why? Because in a lot of the rest of the world, there's true persecution going on. And whenever there's true persecution going on, revival actually ignites. Numbers actually rise in faith. But in America, the enemy has a different plan altogether. It's complacency, it's entitlement, it's disrespect, it's everything that's on our worst list. That's the, en- that's the plan of the enemy, to do all those things that divide us because when we're not united, we don't know what we're fighting for. We don't know what we're on mission for. And so there is an entire generation that needs the gospel right now. That's why this matters. Because here's what happens. If we go out there and we reach a group of people, let's say we reach 50 young adults and 20 families next weekend, and they get here to church, but they encounter a culture that is not quite there yet healthy, they could get hurt. Let's be real. That's what happens. People get saved, they go to church, they get hurt by the church, they leave the church. Ramon just said it. And so there's an entire generation out there right now that needs us healthy so that when we reach out to them and pull them in, they latch on to God and they latch on to the culture and they find out that what is here is actually going to benefit their life and ultimately their family, and then they go and do the same. But it's incredibly hard to go reach out to a group of people when we don't know who we are, right? And so we're going to take the time over these next few weeks and learn who we are, start developing more deeply our culture, start developing more deeply where we're going and what we're about, so that when we go and we reach out and we set these outreach dates and we go and evangelize and we talk to people and we hand out flyers and we give them stuff and they get here, they encounter God and they encounter a healthy church culture. Does that make sense? Amen. So I want to read a scripture to you. Hopefully this will bless your life. Exodus 3, verse 1 through 6 says this. This is the encounter with Moses and the Lord at the burning bush. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he, returned, that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses is, is seeking after God. He sees this burning bush. He goes near it. I mean, the bush is on fire, the bush is on fire, but it's not actually burning away. So he's curious. He goes, and then God speaks to him. So he sees the fire of God, right? And then we fast forward 30 chapters to Exodus 33 and verse 17, and it says this. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. This is the guy that just saw the burning bush. Yet he's talking to God. God found favor with him. God knows him by name. He knows God's name. But now he's saying, show me more. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where he shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand and you shall see my back, but my face will not be seen. This is so interesting to me. 
because Moses encountered God in a way that we can only dream. He experienced God in a way that we can only kind of guess how that went. You saw the fire of God. You saw a bush on fire. He's speaking from the bush. This encounter was intense. It was crazy. But he wasn't satisfied with the fire. He wanted to know more. He wanted to know God's name. He wanted to know what he looked like. He wanted to know how big he was. He wanted to see his face. Hear me. Moses saw God's fire, but he was obsessed with learning who the author of the flame was. And so many times, it's so easy in church to settle for just experiencing the fire, but not knowing the author of that flame. I want to know the author. I want to know the flame giver. I want to know what the face of God is like. I want to know what his heart beats for. And there's no way we can know that unless we get real about it. There's no way we can know that unless we go after it. There's no way we can know that if we stay surfaced, we've got to go deeper. We've got to pursue more. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.